With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans, and college sports fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And as usual, I'm welcoming, welcoming in my able-bodied uh, co-pilot. Awesome. You know him as Austin Ward. Awesome. Welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, you know, you know, your seat's got, got your name on it, so it's like welcoming you back is sort of like redundant. But I digress. I'm quite redundant in all kinds of ways. You know, this, this week we're going to talk about uh, you and I are going to get into a few of the I don't know if you want to call it snags or uh, maybe uh, potholes that the Ohio State football team has run into in this spring, you know, that that's kind of like, I don't know if the word's uh, holding them back, but uh, the getting ready for the fall and the preseason camp, et cetera, there are going to be some guys uh, doing a little bit of double time because they're they're missing uh, the spring. And, and um, we've talked about a bunch of guys that have been injured, et cetera, but uh, I want you and I to kind of handle that. And then later on at the, on the second half of this podcast, really the second third of this podcast, I've got an interview. That's why I said college sports fans, because I got an interview with Tatum Skaggs. It was the uh, one of the alternate captains for the Ohio State women's hockey team this past uh, this past season. They went to their second Final Four in four years. It would have been their third Final Four, excuse me, Frozen Four, and uh, third fi- Frozen Four in four years if they hadn't had to skip last year because of the pandemic when they were at the airport getting ready to leave and we're told to come back, see some desist. But uh, I just think uh, occasionally some of these people come along and they deserve their own little time on the Tim May podcast. What do you think about that concept? You are the boss of this show, man. Like so I'm just the co-pilot, wherever you take it, I'm ready. Yeah. But man, if I develop engine trouble or if I, you know, drink too much coffee, uh, et cetera, you may have to land this thing. So that's what I'm always concerned. What you're thinking is, but not really. If you follow my drift, it's called, Politically correct, but let's let's get into the Ohio State football situation. Uh, it's not really a situation; that's the wrong way of putting it. Spring, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Day and his group look so much forward to this spring, and I think the quarterback battle is ensuing as we expected. The running back battle is ensuing as we expected. Uh, offensive line, yeah, they're dealing they're dealing with that Harry Miller who may or may not be the starting center when all things break out, but everybody else is fairly healthy along those lines, receivers, et cetera. What I'm getting to is your concern coming out of the, uh, the season last year, just like mine and like any Ohio state fans was, was that uh, pass defense, which was really led up by, by Alabama, which finished number 122 in the nation. There were a lot of things you wanted to get, you wanted to see maybe uh, that they could get straightened out in the spring. Not that you're ever going to know till you open the season against Minnesota this coming season. But, uh, uh, 
you know, with, with the guys they've got missing in the secondary, you know, even Dallas Gantt missing at that linebacker spot where they're replacing all three starting linebackers and all four of the top four linebackers. Uh, and then in the middle of the defensive line where, you know, Haskell Garrett's uh, sitting out the spring as he recovers from some type of like a touch-up surgery or whatever. And, uh, you know, some other guys are wanting to step up. I mean, that's that's a little bit of a concern that so many people are missing that they, they probably are going to be counting on in the fall. Isn't it? Uh, isn't it awesome? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I, you know, going into spring, I wouldn't have thought that Ohio State would be a finished product in the secondary, uh, just because we already knew that Cameron Brown would be out, that Court Williams would be limited. Um, you know, I, so I didn't, I wouldn't say that any concerns would be alleviated there. And I don't think that I honestly was because of how much high end talent they have at that position. So the new one for me is it was going to be a challenge to replace those four seniors that you talked about at linebacker. The fifth guy in production was Dallas Gant. He's out. Another guy who was pushing as a second-year player, Mitchell Melton, he's out. That's going to be a long-term injury, as Ryan Day described it. Yeah. So that unit, that's thinner than I thought it would be at this point. That's it was always going to be inexperienced. Uh, you know, today, you know, I don't, what you saw on Friday, what I saw on Monday, it was a lot of nickel packages for Ohio State, which tells you that they still feel better about the numbers they have in the secondary, and that you know there's a little bit of concern get to Roger Mitchell and Cody Simon out there playing linebacker primarily. Then you're working in Craig Young as sort of that bullet guy. Um, you know, Ronnie Hickman is doing some of that stuff as well as they try and patchwork it together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're looking at the back seven as a whole, say, man, that's certainly not what Ohio State wants. Um, probably going to need to pluck somebody out of the transfer portal uh, at linebacker to help alleviate some of these concerns with inexperience um, and proven veteran stuff. I think we all know who that top target would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't think up front, I have any question about the rushman. I think that group is going to be just fine. I think what they have to work with, with Josh Proctor and Lathan Ransom at safety, uh, you know, once you get a healthy Cameron Brown, seven banks, uh, starting with those two guys, there at corner, everything I expect will be fine. When you go through a spring, you want to be as healthy as possible when you're trying to fix something like you said, number 122 in pass defense. This is a good time to get that work done. And there's a, there is a, a clear limitation on how much Kerry Combs and that defensive staff can do right now. Yeah, you know, what I was getting to, though, is, you know, like, like we got to talk to Josh Proctor last week a little bit. And, uh, you know, one of the things he talked about was one of the things that he had to improve, that the group had to improve, was communication. You know, and, yeah. it, and like right now, you know, Josh Proctor, I don't, I don't know, he may – He's one of the few, <laughs> few regulars who I expect to be a regular in the fall. I mean, some of these other guys are going to step up and probably take some jobs and stuff, but he's that, he's that one returning regular. You know, Marcus Williamson is practicing, uh, I do believe. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, you know, you want that – if you're going to have a singing group, a Fab Four, you know, you kind of want them practicing the songs they're going to sing, the communications, the harmony, et cetera, which seem to be lacking – most of all in that secondary last year about this guy running over here to help this guy when he should have stayed where he was, et cetera. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, it's if there was ever a group that needed some cohesion coming out of the spring, I think it would be that group. And they're not, not going to end with, end up with that, obviously, because Seven Banks is having to miss the uh, 
the spring now, the rest of spring with a with an undisclosed injury. And uh, uh, as you talked talk about Cam Brown, who I think you and I both had penciled in competing for a starting job last year, you know, and was coming on last year till he got hurt. He's not around. So that, I guess that would be my concern. Uh, and, uh, and of course, linebacker wise, like you just pointed out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a, I guess it's an ideal world when you get, can get all of those guys all on the same page, all practicing at the same time and just have it out. But that's what I, I guess that's what I'm talking about more than anything else is just kind of the breakdowns of who was covering whom, <laughs> when just were glaring last year at times. Well, and, you're, and that's the, that's what you're not going to have in the spring that if you're Ryan day, obviously you would pick the, the ideal to have that true competition to settle a depth chart. You know, a lot of springs, you're not going to have that anyway. You, sure. you you don't go live that, that many times, but you know, that's, that's something that you add to the evaluation pile and that doesn't exist to, to compare seven banks and Cameron Brown to what a Ryan Watts is doing. I think what I saw from Ryan Watts from, you know, last year to this year physically, uh, I, I brought this up before to Berm. I like he's long and reminds me a lot of Eli Apple. Once Eli Apple found himself, uh, I know it hasn't maybe worked out from at the NFL level, but the way that he played, the, the length, the strength, you know, I think he's almost six foot three. You know, he's he's kind of like that ideal Kerry Combs corner. So, yeah. you know, you don't get to compare him to to Cameron Brown. You don't get to compare him to seven banks, but you can see that, you know, he's got, he gets the benefit of those reps that those guys can't take. You were calling it double time duty. I mean, they don't have a lot of other corners. Part of the reason why you're seeing DeMario McCall uh, getting an opportunity to, to try and help there. Uh, you know, I don't think that he actually will when the season winds up, but um, they need people, healthy people to get through it. So for Ryan Watts or for Cameron Martinez to name two guys, who really have a great chance, you know, they get a, they get a different way into this competition because those other two aren't there. Yeah. And if that winds up helping the depth, which it should, that's a big deal. If they really make a jump out of it, well, then you still have August to play with those pieces and see which four, four guys, five guys you want to rotate there at cornerback. Yeah. But you want to come out of spring, you know, I just know, you know I'm, I'm just thinking what I would feel like if I was a coach, a head coach, a position coach, uh, a coordinator, you want to come out of spring with some kind of idea in your mind. If I had to put a team on the field, you know, next week, this would be my group, and I would feel really confident about that group playing together, et cetera. I'll tell you a development that, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, video videotaping this on a Monday, and the development that was brought up today was Craig Young, you know, looking more and more like one of those bullet positions, safety one minute, uh, maybe an outside linebacker the next, that kind of guy. I mean, boy, you know, they, they can – I think we talked about this before on the Tim May podcast. They can put some some real specimens out there on the field if they want to, can't they? That you know, just by the as uh, as John Cooper would say uh, uh, back in the day, would would pass the look test if nothing else. I mean, when I saw him on Monday morning, I I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. Yeah. I mean, he's always been athletic and versatile and could run, you know, with a really big frame. But now that frame has just you know, coiled muscle wrapped all around it. And uh, if he's playing in the secondary in some capacity, I mean, that's just scary because people his size should not move the way he does. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that's, again, we talked to Matt Barnes about this a hundred times, you know, Sam Bullitt, 
you know, it's, it, you can call it whatever you want. It's, it's an outside linebacker role that can do a lot of different things. Uh, it's a safety role that can morph into that. I, if you were trying to find somebody to play that, I mean, this is a guy who looks like Ryan Shazier, looks like Darren Lee. Um, you know, that those positions aren't, you know, haven't always been called by that moniker, but they had the, the ability to do a bunch of different things defensively. And, you know, Craig Young is that chess piece, I think, that can really be helpful. And I and and even as impressive as he looks physically, it's not even a sure thing that he would win that job. He's another he fits into what I was talking about before that Court Williams is not there. Court Williams probably would have been starting in that role or or had the first crack at that role as a true freshman. That's how highly Ohio State thinks of, of his ability there before right. he got hurt in training camp. So now you've got two of those guys, and you're going to try and if you're if you're Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes, Al Washington, you're certainly trying to figure out how to get both of those on the field because they are they have rare rare physical gifts. They, that's what I'm talking about. But you're not getting to see all of that, you know, in the spring. And it's kind of you know it's you, to get on the field. You know, that's like a lot of people were concerned, you know, at the beginning of the year last year when some things weren't making sense from a defensive coverage standpoint. But you know, those were the guys that in like a Kerry Combs mind and maybe, a, you know, the, the defensive coaches minds, the guys that were playing were guys that they sort of trusted to, to at least line up right. You know what I mean? Because practice was so limited. Uh, they missed all of spring. Uh, everything was so disjointed. And then of course they had injuries, uh, which added to that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm talking about from a peace of mind standpoint as a coach. Uh, let me ask you this, you know, I'm not putting you on the spot, but if, if you had to put two corners on the field right now from the guys they've got, who would who would those two starting corners be in the uh, in the awesome <laughs> ward uh, lineup? Or would you just kind of roll a bunch of guys through there? Just give me give me a couple of names that just you know you would like to see maybe get a shot in the fall. Yeah, I think it'll be Ryan Watts. Uh, I think I've I've been higher on him maybe than others for a while, and so I didn't need maybe much encouragement. But what I saw uh, from that six open viewing periods on Monday really yeah. pushed it, pushed it forward for me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys got to watch six periods. All right, go ahead. I told you on Friday, good things come to those who wait. You didn't yes. want to be first. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I just wanted to watch something, you know, and I watched a lot of this, Yeah, <sighs> you know, uh, it was, yeah, it was great. Um, I really, really wound up being, uh, uh, I wasn't counting on being right, but I was glad that I was, that I got a Christmas present. Yeah, you did. Um, anyway, that's that's beside the point. Um, Ryan Watts, I think, is there. And, and I really believe that Cameron Martinez is is starting to understand what it takes to play a cornerback at this level. I think, you know, if, if you're talking about an ideal role for him right now, it would be slot corner because he's not at a level that a seven banks or Cameron Brown, uh, you know, Cam Brown are. Um too many Camerons that I'm throwing out here, uh, but he, I think he would be in that mix because I think that legend Cavasso still has, has not got fully healthy really since he's been here. Yeah. So I'm not sure that I would think he'd be ready to play in a starting role. If there was a game on Saturday, um, Tyreek Johnson, he'd have to be a, a factor just because he's been around for so long. Um, the light hasn't really ever connected for him. Hasn't flipped on. Uh, he did intercepted deflected ball on Monday morning during one drill that they had, but we've seen this before, you know, spring after spring, it just, he hasn't made that leap to become the five-star guy that he was once projected, but yeah. you know, really almost because you're out of options at that point, he'd need to be out there in some capacity. Um, you know, I, I think the versatility for them really comes because now they're, 
in a much more comfortable position at safety. Uh, I know that wasn't your question, but Lathan Ransom is doing some of that slot corner work. Maybe that means he could help if you had to, to shuffle some things around. I mean, that's he's really making that role his own. Um, and Ronnie Hickman is also someone who can do some of the bullet stuff. I saw that with them in nickel. He was out there uh, playing a, a fairly prominent role at times. Bryson Shaw, they're, they're suddenly in a pretty good, even without Marcus Hooker around, which I don't think he'll ever be around again. <laughs> they're really in a good spot with what they have at safety. Once again, once you put Court Williams back in there, if you have Craig, Craig Young running around. So that's going to help because really the problem last year was that they wound up being kind of forced to scramble at safety throughout the whole year. And right. that shouldn't happen this time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and here's the thing, Marcus Williamson, you know, if, uh, you know, we got to talk to him last week too. And I'm oh, sorry. The re- reason I didn't put him in there, Tim, uh, he, he did appear to be limited on Monday morning. Yeah. But he, and we did talk to him. You saw him last week. We talked to him last week. That yeah. was what that was why, like what I saw on that day. Gotcha. Him, that's yeah. I, I just want to throw that in there. But you know, what but his say is right. Yeah, but his resolve is uh is yeah. obvious compared to even a year ago. And he knows, you know, Father Time is knocking on his door from the standpoint of playing at Ohio State. Father Time and Kerry Combs. <laughs> Are they the same guy? I'm not sure. But uh but but you know it's there's a guy that's got a wealth of experience, some of it good, some of it really, you know, not very good at all. And, uh, and sometimes that all adds up and comes together for a guy finally. And, uh, you know, and the dedication he's shown, I think, uh, is uh, opening a lot of people's eyes, like you said, uh, you know, but he's in all those guys that's banged up. And, uh, you know, it's, but like, you know, you like you just, as you were talking about that, you know, this is like for football teams across the country, Clemson, Alabama, whatever, you know, you're going through spring, there are a lot of guys that uh, you want to see take the bit, you know, and jump up and declare themselves, yeah, this is my spot, you know. And uh, and I think that's what I am talking about more than anything else is them lacking uh, that that part of the uh, of the chemistry of building a team more than anything else. Because, you know, uh, I think I think even fellow players know when a guy has has come of age, you know, and is ready to play and stuff, and they know they can rely on him, which changes even the dynamic of the way they play when that guy's on the field. So that's kind of what I'm talking about, you know. And with that said, you know, uh, as we got to talk to Ryan Day on Monday, a fellow he brought up who clearly has now turned the corner. It appears is Teron Vincent, you know, at defensive tackle. And oh my goodness, we all know about him being a former five star. Uh, Etc. with oozing ability, but just been held back by, by this little injury and that little injury over time, uh, you know, with Haskell Garrett missing in there. And, uh, uh, you know, and obviously Tommy Togiai gone, Haskell Garrett's having to sit out the spring because of injury. But it's interesting that like a Teron Vincent is suddenly on the lips of Ryan Day, right? Yeah. And I, if you made a list of three or four or five Buckeyes who actually who truly needed to emerge this spring, you would have to have included Teron Vincent up there. If not, you know, take the quarterbacks out of it. He might've been number one guy that Ohio state needed most. This spring. Um, you know, just because of that pedigree that you talked about, you, you come from a, an NFL family. When you, when you arrive as a five-star, you know, those ex- expectations are up there. So that plus a position of need, you know, Haskell Garrett's going to be fine. Ohio state expecting to have him back, you know, for full summer workouts and all that soon. But you know, you're losing an NFL player in Tommy Togiai. Uh, you had two of them the year before that you lost on the interior. Um, very good players. 
So it's to, to reload there. It, it wasn't that smooth. They were, they were extremely fortunate last year that Haskell Garrett um, not only survived and all that, but just elevated his game to where he was getting those all American votes because that was not a sure thing because that hadn't happened to that point in his career. He'd also had, you know, nagging injuries and was learning the position and all that. He went through that process. So if Teron Vincent, and this is a big, big, big ask here, makes a similar jump to Haskell Garrett. Well, okay. Maybe loss of Tommy Togiai doesn't wind up being a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you, you have one of the best tandems of tackles again in the country. Um, who knows? There's a lot of work that has to be done, but Ryan Day is generally very reserved with the, with the press conference and public comments about pointing to an individual. It's a yes. bunch of guys. It's, it's, it's an open competition. You know, we're rotating. To talk the way he did, unprompted, about Teron Vincent tells you something special is going on there, potentially. Uh, and that could be very good news for Ohio State. So is Teron Vincent, uh, is he in the running now for the Haskell Garrett Award? Or is he in the running, <laughs> or did Haskell Garrett win the Jay Sean Cornell Award? You know, if you follow my drift. <laughs> they, just, guys, they just pass it on, yeah. Yeah, of guys that stepped up there in the middle just when you thought they were in trouble boom, you got a guy that, that comes on <laughs> like, you know, wow. Okay. The light is, you know, the light is shining bright suddenly. And uh, uh, in his, in his, in his approach to the game, his approach to playing, et cetera, and getting it done. And yeah, it'll be, it's most refreshing. Just like you said, to hear the name Teron Vincent coming out of uh, Ryan Day's mouth as being possibly even a leader in that group, you know, and, and he even mentioned Noah Potter, a guy that, uh, you know, defensive end wearing number 97, you know, it's like putting a target on your back at Ohio State, but uh, you got to give it up to him for that. But they've been even sliding him inside a little bit, you know, uh, probably a three technique. But uh, but the bottom line is, you know, all of those guys are like I said, spring is that time when you're when you're uh, when you're mixing and matching and just trying to come up with some guys that will just get just play, get after it and stuff. But uh goes back to my, my concern uh, about this defense. If we're just kind of concentrating on the defense in this Tim May podcast, uh, Addition, and you know my concern. I think they're going to have uh, three, four linebackers that can play in the final analysis. Uh, my concern is that secondary and whether because they've got talent there. Agreed, right? Yeah, but, and go ahead. Yeah, what, I think what you're what you're getting at, and I can't argue at that point at all. We we both agree that there's very talented players at all three of those units. Ohio State's got the makings of a very good defense, but it's probably going to be a point of frustration when they leave on April 17th, that they didn't get to have a, a true competition for all those spots or a true evaluation. And they probably wanted to put aside a lot of this conversation about number 122 and the amount of points that they gave up against Alabama or that the defense is, a, is an issue. You know, they're not going to escape that. That's no. going to continue throughout the summer because we just don't know who's going to play all these roles. Right. Right. But I'm like you. I've got my I've got my eye on Lathan Ransom. I mean, I've got my eye on there's a guy that should play. Ronnie Hickman flashed last year to then he got, I think, banged up, right? After he flashed. I mean, there's a guy who showed he was he was willing to stick his neck out and get in there, you know, and uh, get after it. And uh so those are the kind of guys that catch my eye. And like you said, Craig Young, if you go to a football practice, if you don't notice Craig Young, then uh, you know, you need a new prescription. Uh and it's not cowbell, it's uh new glasses. Uh, you know, those are just those are just some guys, but man, those corners, you you don't you, confidence is everything. When you saw some of those corners backing off last year in certain situations where you probably would like to have seen them step up, probably they were even asked to step up. 
but he knows what it, the guy finally in the, in the, in the fray knows what he is and isn't capable, capable of at that, at that very uh, second in time. And sometimes you see guys play a little soft because they're not really confident in their ability. And you saw that a lot, I think off and on last year, even, even with Sean Wade, right? Yeah. And I, and I was going to say, I don't think that, you know, some, some people want to make conclusions about Kerry Combs and, if that was the way he was choosing to call a defense, I think it was a part of this factor that we weren't even fully aware of at that point was Sean Wade. Um, that confidence in his ability was because of his health. Yeah. He was dealing with issues. Seven banks also was dealing with part of what he's missing with right now. I'm told is a knee injury that he was playing through last year. So if both of those guys that your top corners and you don't have that confidence yet in the other guys, which Legend Cavazos had talked about him not being healthy. Yeah. Ryan Watts maybe not, you know, having that full opportunity to learn. You still had to play seven banks and Sean Wade, and they both weren't 100% healthy. Well, then you have to play more off coverage, or you're, I don't even know what you do in yeah. the other. Yeah. So I, a lot of that stuff, like they're still not fully healthy now. So we still look like your, your whole thing that you're saying here, like we don't know. Yeah, what it's going to look like, how much press man you're going to play, who's going to play that press man. Like they have to get fully healthy. They're still just not to that point, and they weren't last year. So that was another part of this where you knew the guys who were out on the unavailability unavailability list with the COVID issues or with long term injuries like Cam Brown and Court Williams. That's the stuff that you knew it was already a problem. But there also was an element where we didn't know the severity for Seven Banks or Sean Wade that was complicating what they were doing on the field and what they were capable of your confidence. If you're not physically able to do it, that's obviously going to, you know, you're not going to want to play press against Alabama. If you are at 95%, 90%, 85% or less. And that was, I, Sean Wader or seven banks would have to answer that to where exactly they were at that point last year, but nobody was fully healthy in that secondary. And again, it's, it's one explanation I know people think that I'm making excuses for them I'm just trying to put it in perspective for why that happened and why it might not this year yeah it's really funny when people think you're making excuses for them because all we're talking about is what happened what we know <laughs> happened but we didn't necessarily always know what happened last year because like you said they keep these things tight to the vest and even though you hear some things as the season goes on confirming those is a total different matter you know <laughs> but let's face it Devontae Smith has seen more pressing at a, at a panini store than he did in that game. And, uh, you know, it was, that was, that was unbelievable. Uh, some of the wide open spaces that the receivers were running through, uh, for Alabama. And, uh, like I always told you though, I always thought Ohio State's shot in that game. The reason I picked them was I really liked the way the offense was playing coming out of that Clemson game and just, you know, point for point, man, like tennis, you know, take them to the, uh, Fifth set and then uh, whatever you call that afterwards, the overtime. What do they call that overtime in tennis? I can't remember. So, uh, just the factor, right? Yeah. Oh, we're yeah. talking about, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, you know, we don't cover a lot of tennis on this podcast. I know. You know what? <laughs> we don't cover a lot of women's hockey on this podcast either. That's a good segue. Thank you very much there. Uh, awesome. But, uh, you know, I had to, I had the uh, privilege of, of speaking with uh, Tatum Skaggs, who was one of the uh, captains of the, Ohio State women's hockey team, like I said in my intro earlier, and uh, we had a really interesting conversation. You know, she comes from a family of six kids and uh, and just played hockey all the way through her juniors, all the way up to Ohio State, and has been part of like a real, I don't even know if it's a renaissance, a, a surge 
of the Ohio State women's hockey team over the last uh, over the last uh, four seasons under head coach Nadine Muzzerall. So, uh, you know, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with her because I found it to be very interesting. And as I promised you, ladies and gentlemen, I want to start a little, a little different segment on the Tim May podcast from time to time. I want to recognize some people who deserve recognition uh, who for a uh, basically a college career well done. And I'm starting with Tatum Skaggs. By the way, are you kin to Boss Skaggs or Ricky Skaggs, Tatum? <laughs> I wish I could say I'm related, but uh, our Skaggs family is kind of just our own and we're not related to anyone famous. I got you. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're paying attention at all, you know, Tatum Skaggs was a primary mover and shaker on the uh, Ohio State women's hockey team the last four years. They've played, of course, in two Final Fours over those four years. Uh, uh, basically great achievement. She's leaving uh, Ohio State. Now, this was her senior season this past year. They got beaten the uh, Frozen Four. Uh, but uh, as the old saying goes, to get beat the Frozen Four, you got to get to the Frozen Four. Isn't that right, Tatum? That's how you get there, yeah. But she's leaving as the number four all-time scorer, goal scorer in Ohio State history. I think it was 65, if my numbers are right. My math sometimes is a little shaky. But uh, number one, congratulations on a career, on a college career well done, uh, Tatum, and welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Hey, uh, just tell me what, what, you know, everybody knows we chronicled all through the last 12 months uh, on my podcast and you know, wrote stories and everybody else knows about the Ohio State football team and the challenges it faced, you know, basically the last 12 months. It's still ongoing to a certain extent, but, you know, kind of like left in the shadows a little bit where, where teams like yours that, uh, Still managed to have a season. Still managed to have a an outstanding season. And I'm just I'm just looking as you look back on it. Uh, what kind of a challenge was it? Uh, you know, I was talking with a Ohio State football player a couple of weeks ago who got done playing football, and now it looks like it got over just like that. But while you were going through it, it had to be quite the grind a little bit. I was just saying. I mean, what kind of challenge did you did you guys face on that women's hockey team? Yeah, like you said, um, it's kind of been a grueling last 12 months. Um, and especially as an athlete in college, you kind of dream of this experience. You only get four years and you try to make the most of every year. Um, and so last year, I remember we just came off of a high of winning the um, WCHA championship um, for our league. And we had a lot of momentum and speed and just, you know, that grit and relentlessness to go into the NCAA Final Eight tournament. And um, we were at the airport ready to take off to play Minnesota. And at that point in time, um, we got a call from our AD that we got to grab our bags and come back to the rink. There's just a lot going on right now. Um, they didn't want to ship us off to Minnesota quite yet with um, obviously March Madness being canceled and so on and so forth. And so I just think over the last 12 months, the challenges have been continuing to work as hard as you can and put that work in, in hopes for a season. Yeah. Um, so all summer, all of us were training hard every single day, hitting the weight room, you know, trying to find ice and make the most out of what we could with our resources, um, in a pandemic. Um, but you just always had to keep in mind that when we get the green light, that there's a season, we're going to be hitting the ice hard and we're going to be flying and our opponents aren't going to know what hit them. So, um, just, that was like the mental challenge. I'd say that I think all athletes took on this these last 12 months. Um, and I just give all, I mean, I'm just so incredibly grateful for Ohio state and, um, obviously giving us the season and 
being my senior season, it was so special still. And so um, I think that, and I think all the other athletes that put the same work and time in to make that season happen. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, y'all, y'all would have played in three, three frozen fours out of, out of four during your career. And uh, that's amazing when you think back on it now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, to think back, um, we just had our banquet the other day and to look back to see where the program was um, to where it is now is we hit our record um, ranking in our program all year. And that was number two. Um, If someone seven years ago would have told me that Ohio state was going to be number two, I probably would have laughed and been like, what? But um, yeah. So just to watch this program grow and um, just see players all over the world calling our coach being, I want to be a Buckeye. Like that hasn't happened before. And so um, it's amazing to see just where the program's gone. And um, hopefully that we continue to just be a powerhouse in women's hockey. Yeah. You know, and that's coach Nadine Muzeral, uh, uh, I, I Am I getting close to pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Coach Muzeral. Yeah. Coach, coach Muzeral. Just don't just call her coach. Right. <laughs> but yeah. the bottom line, what, what, what is it that she has brought that's special in your opinion? Cause you know, you grew up, you've grown up playing hockey, you played in the, uh, what the Chicago mission team as an under, what under 19 or U19 team and stuff and had some great, great success with that team and stuff. But, uh, Coach Muzzerall, what has she brought that uh, you think has brought you uh, brought you uh, your, this team to the elite level? Yeah, so um, Coach Muzz to start off is someone incredibly special. She's ex- very special to me and someone that I will hold near and dear to my heart forever. Hmm. Um, she is a loyal person. She is someone who I would go to war with every single day. Um, something that she's brought to the table is a new sense of accountability. She holds us accountable for our actions on and off the ice, the people we are on and off the ice. Um, And she's built a culture that um, we as players have bought into. Um, And it's kind of like, if you're going to be here, you're going to put in 120%. Um, And so the culture that she's brought, we have four pillars that we stand by. um, And that is just something that I think has changed us as players we take those four pillars and we internalize them and take it how we want. And that's how we play for each other. We play for our coaching staff. We play for the people before us. We play for the little girls that are, you know, generations to come. Um, and so I just think coach Muzz has brought in so much love and determination to get this program on the map. And that's exactly what she did. Hey, give us an example of what, what are you, the four pillars? What are they? Can you let us know? Yeah. So our four pillars is relentless, grateful, sacrifice, and choices. So those four kind of uh, for us, um, relentless, be relentless on the puck, you know, four check your legs may hurt, but you know, mentally be strong and go get that puck play sound defense. Um, Sacrifice as D1 athletes, like to get here, you've had to sacrifice. Um, And so that's kind of like, the sense of, um, you know, you're going to give up your Friday, Saturday nights in college because you're going to be playing. And when we have off, you're going to be home. You're not, you know, going out. Um, and so, and being grateful is just to put that Jersey over your head is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So be grateful for that opportunity. Every time you step on the ice, like don't waste anyone else's time. Um, and so it's just, it's the culture that she's brought and that we've bought into, um, kudos to all my teammates as well, because we're players who do buy in. 
Um, you can build a culture and do as much as you want, but if you don't have players that buy in, you know, what are, what are you really doing? So, yeah. yeah. So when you, you know, as you, you know, you're going to graduate, I think into this, end of this, end of this, uh, semester or next semester. What, what, in I'm like, graduating on May 9th. Yeah. On May 9th. And this is what's interesting to me is you're from Wisconsin. I think you're what you were born in Heartland, Wisconsin. Am I correct? Yep, born yeah. in Heartland, Wisconsin. Yeah, I saw one of your brothers had a birth uh, birthplace. Trenton, uh, who's playing hockey, uh, had a birthplace uh, in uh, Oconomowoc. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, practice uh, whatever. I went to Wisconsin on vacation a long time ago, back in the '60s, and I've all, I was always impressed with the names of some of the towns. But I digress. Bottom line is, you have uh, four brothers and one other sister. So y'all have a complete hockey team. So it made sense that you grew up as a hockey player. Were your mom and dad, were they involved in hockey other than taking you guys to the rink? Oh, geez. I hope my dad watches this. My dad will claim he was a very good athlete and played hockey, but I have yet to see pictures and evidence <laughs> that that ever happened. Well, But yes, our whole family is um, – just athletes all around. Uh, my sister dances. Um, obviously that's very, that's hard. That's talent and skill. Um, one brother did not end up taking up hockey. He was a soccer player, very good soccer player. But um, my older brothers who I look up to, I would say is my biggest role model in my life. And I re- want to resemble him. And so growing up, I was like, I want to be like Taylor, I want to be like Taylor. And my parents begged me, my mom begged me not to play hockey. She was like, I will go take you to the store and shop. Um, I'll get you two outfits if you just don't play hockey. And I was like, no, mom, I want to play. And so she's like, all right, I'll let you try. And hopefully you don't like it. Um, Here we are 14 years later um, and graduating college as a hockey player. Not only a hockey player, an Ohio State hockey player. And this is, (laughs) by the way, I think all of your siblings, their 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 name starts with T. Am I right about that? Yep, Taylor, Trevor, Tatum, Tori, Trenton, Ty. So what was it? What's up with that? <laughs> I think they just started with one, and um, I think they got to my brother Trevor, and they're like, "Well, we have two T's, so let's find a girl name with a T." And at that point in time, they had three T's, so why not have six T's? Yeah. Well, we, we went with the cuss sound. We've got uh, Kyle, Corey, and Caroline were our three kids. So, uh, you know, oh. everybody has their quirks, right? Uh, exactly. Every family has their niche. I'm intrigued by this, though. You know, I was checking out y'all's roster again, just double checking. I think of, of the players listed on, on the 2020-2021, on the say that three times, uh, uh, women's, Ohio State women's hockey roster, there was one player from Ohio Am I right about that? Lindsey Wallace from Seven Hills. All the rest of you guys, all the rest of you uh, players, I keep saying guys, sorry, but all the rest of you gals uh, are imports in one way or another, yet you're you're leading here, leaving here bleeding scarlet and gray. I mean, uh, what number one, what attracted you to Ohio State? Was it was it was it Coach Moserall? And number two, uh, uh, you know, you touched on it a while ago. You expect this to just explode now, right? I mean, from a from Ohio State being a an international, for one of another term, attraction for female hockey players. Yeah, so I actually committed um, at a pretty young age. Um, I had just gone to summer camp in eighth grade and committed freshman year. Um, I actually did not commit to Coach Muzz. I committed to Nate Handerhan 
at the time. Um, so we've been through a couple coaches here at Ohio state, but by the time that I got here, I had coach Muzz and, um, but so it's just awesome to see Lindsay wall. She's such an ambassador of the sport, um, in Ohio. I knew growing up that being, you know, a girl hockey player in Wisconsin, I thought I was going to bleed badger. Yeah. Um, and that ended up not happening. And I'm, you know, God always has a plan for everything. And Ohio state has been nothing but amazing. Um, I'm a special education major. And so Ohio state has a very good special education program, um, that I'll be graduating with and just the opportunity to help build a program to me is something that I have taken pride in over the last four years. Um, now by no means has this been a perfect ride and there's things that I wish I could have done differently, of course, but um, I hope to look back on the program um, years to come and kind of just be grateful and, you know, very happy that, um, you know, I didn't walk into a team that was a national championship team every single year, but I went and I've grinded through the good and the bad and built a program that girls want to be Buckeyes now. So um, I'm just so happy that um, I did four years of hockey here at Ohio State, um, and I just thank the university so much. Yeah, and by the way, that wasn't a slam at all. I mean, it, when I brought up the fact of so many players from all over the world, basically all over the world, but definitely Canada and the United States. I mean, it's 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 kind yeah. of crazy. But I mean, you know, Justin Fields, you know, is from Georgia. You know what I mean? So, right, right. you know, uh, Eddie George was from Pennsylvania, you know, right on down the line. I mean, uh, great, great players in high state football history and uh, round down the line. I know the women's crew team when they were really on top and winning those consecutive uh uh, national championships, you know, they had players from all over Europe, you know, so it's, uh, right. uh, is it, is a crew person a player, by the way, I'm, I'm maybe I need to look that definition up. <laughs> no, I let me know what you find. Yeah. I, I don't know either. Hey, I know you're a player and uh, I want to get back to la- last year, just real quick. You know, you guys were coming off a team high. You were coming off a ridiculous personal high. I think you scored the winning goal in the last in each of the last two games of that WCHA tournament, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, but and uh, I think it was uh, Mike Mike Basford, uh, you know, the guy who set us up with this interview, who pointed out that he thinks those were the first winning goals of your career. But uh, enlighten me there. But but yeah, that had to be such an such a high and then such a low. All it's such a strange uh, couple of days, yeah. right? Yeah. It is. It was definitely a weird couple of days. Um, like I said, our team was coming off with like a crazy high of first ever program, you know, championship win. Yeah. Um, personally, it was kind of um, that moment as an athlete that you dream of um, as a little girl of, um, okay, like who's going to score that final goal? Who's going to get that game winner? Um, to me, I've never had that experience before. I've kind of been the one cheering on the person that's done that every year. Um, but for it to be me, um, you know, I, I just all glory to God. Like that was amazing. Um, my mom was in the stands, my sister, and I looked at her and she was bawling. My mom was. And so, um, emotions were high, but yeah, like you said, it was a low, four days later. Um, it was a low that I never thought I'd experience. And I have, my heart goes out to the seniors that year um, because fun stat is 14 out of the last 17 um, championships. Coach Muzz was just telling us 14 out of the last 17, who's ever won the WCHA has gone on to win the national championship. Um, and so there'll always be a little thing in the back of my mind that says last year was our year and we would have won Natty champs, but um 
unfortunately that's not how it played out. And um, yeah. yeah, but we had a season this year and that's all I'm happy about. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you, you can't, if you could make uh, chemistry on a team and put all the pieces together that it takes to make a championship team, you know, you know, you need to move to Las Vegas and start, you know, uh, uh, bottling that and, uh, and, and then going on those inspirations because uh, it is, you never know when a team is going to come together, what's going to be the catalyst, et cetera. You know, and like you said, you know, you grew up in Wisconsin. Is it bittersweet that, uh, you know, the two of the last three games of your career. I mean, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah, yeah. losses to Wisconsin and the in between yeah. a quarterfinal win over Boston College and NCAAs. But that is kind of interesting, isn't it? Poetic to a yeah. certain extent. I mean, I'll, I'll give the Badgers credit. They're a phenomenal program, great players that they are able to recruit, um, and they know how to play hockey. But uh, it's kind of last year was a couple of monumental um, games against the Badgers for me. And every time we stepped on the ice with them, I had a little chip on my shoulder, like I'm going to go get you guys. But um, yeah, it was. it's a little bittersweet to lose to the Badgers in my final game. But um, I'm kind of like someone who – I'm going to get beat by them. And I know I've beat them before um, the Badgers that went on to win the national championship, but it's sticks with me that we've beat the Badgers so many times that it's kind of like we could, that could have been our game and our championship. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I, the crazy thing about hockey and I've told, I remember I told the first, uh, the first Columbus Blue Jackets coach, he came out to an Ohio state football practice one time. I think his name was Dave King. And I told him, I said, you know what would drive me nuts about your sport is Y'all practice all these things, all these plays, all these uh, set shots and everything. But so many times it's chaos, you know, a goal out of chaos that determines not only whether yeah. you won or lost, but whether you were a champion or not, you know, whether you're a hero or not. And, I, man, that's just, you know, football plays pretty much drawn up and they, yeah, people have to make blocks and et cetera, but they kind of either work or don't. But <laughs> hockey is so chaotic, right? I mean, yeah. Controlled chaos. Yeah. Anyway, so this is what I'm leading up to. How many games do you think you've played as a an amateur and as a, a high school player and a, and a college player? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember how many games you played even at Ohio State, but it's it's well into the hundreds, right? Yeah, I think it was like I think I appeared. There wasn't one game I missed, so I think I appeared in. Let's do the math. It's like 34, 36 games a season, so. Let's say around one twenty-seven ish. Yeah. Um, but I think that's how many I played here at Ohio State. And yeah. and then and like I said, you know, hundreds as an amateur. I mean, as as a youth, et cetera. Uh, what I'm getting to here is, are you done playing hockey? It's a quite. That's a good question. Um, obviously, my dreams are to continue um, to pursue the USA national hockey team. Um, I just got back from national team camp. Uh, two days ago. Um, but I don't know if that's, I, I hope to not be done. Um, if, uh, the Olympics don't work out and everything, I want to pursue hockey in Europe for, I think a year and travel and play fun hockey in Sweden. Um, but as of right now, I don't believe that was the last time I tied my skates for a game. Um, I hope to continue and see where life takes me. I was going to say, you know, because, you know, uh, football players, they always have the NFL they're getting ready for. You know, you know, you, you heard about the Ohio State Pro Day the other day and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, still very few of them even go on to the NFL. You know, there's kind of a, 
uh, I don't know, a legend about uh, how many guys actually play in the NFL from these big time schools. But but the bottom line is with with uh, female sports now, except for basketball, um, I'm trying to think. And, and of course, uh, women's women's golf and a, and a few others, maybe tennis, obviously. There kind of comes a dead end a little bit. Right. I mean, on your yeah. career and you could if you're not there yet, you can almost see it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the things that our national team players are doing uh, with trying to grow the sport of women's hockey is amazing. Yeah. There's a couple of professional leagues, the PWHPA and then WHL. Um, right now, I don't know how like sustainable they are with making a living and stuff, but they're definitely putting in a lot of work to make it sustainable so that girls don't have to see the end when college is over. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully I can take part of the movement and helping grow women's hockey professionally um, after, you know, whatever my future endeavors are with um, Europe or getting a job, whatever it may be. But yeah, right now I don't feel that it's the end, but um, of course you never know, maybe glo- another global pandemic hits and it yeah. might be the end. <laughs> oh yeah. It might be the, might be the end for everybody. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Hey, last thing, you know, you're, you're a special education major. You know, you've been do, putting in work, you know, I think around Columbus going to different schools and opportunities to not only, you know, not only practice what you're uh, what you're learning, but also it shows your dedication to it. What what drove what what drove you that direction uh, for that kind of major? And uh, where do you where do you want to take that, you know, for one of another term? Yeah. So um, something that I think really helped me um, decide what I wanted to do is I just have a passion for kids with special needs. Um, I feel that they are just as equal as everyone else in society. And so I want to be help them feel like that. And I want to help others, um, you know, give people the chance. So I babysit two boys back at home, um, that are very near and dear to my heart, Max and Marvin. Um, they're two boys who are adopted from Guatemala and, um, they both have, um, special needs. And so they are just the life of the party. They bring me so much joy and smile and laughter, um, that they kind of were the, were the biggest impact on, um, just showing me that that's my passion. And right now I don't know what I want to do with it quite yet. Work in a school or do home services or, you know, work for an organization. I'm not quite sure, but there's, there's a need for those people right now. And um, so I just hope to get into the field because I know I'll absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tim, you, you meet people, and you know, you know, you can see right away people who have passion, not only for what they, their sport, but for their life and stuff. And I'm, it's been a real pleasure to meet someone with your kind of passion for all kinds of things. And I wish you nothing but the best. And man, I really appreciate you coming on the Tim May podcast. Thank you so much. I was so much fun getting to know you and, um, yeah, it's been an awesome year, and I'm glad that uh, you're able to expa- expand your podcast to <laughs> some female hockey players. Well, I've been I've been getting a little bit of heat at home here. My wife was a uh, was a high jump champion at Ohio State back in the uh, mid to late '70s, and she was on, believe it or not, she was on scholarship way back when. You know, and that was when wow. they first started it, and uh, you know. She had, she had about up to here with football players back then from the standpoint of what they were getting in as opposed to what the, you know, the female athletes were getting on scholarship. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Hey, name, image, and likeness is right around the corner. I think you would have made a fortune in that if they'd uh, just gotten off their rear ends and passed that. What do you think? 
I don't know. I don't know how much I would have made off of that, but um, yeah, well, you would have had a shot to make something. That's the true. Point. I would have maybe had a chance, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that all goes with um, the NCAA and like likeness and image and stuff like that. Are you are you for that? I mean, uh, what, what's just your take? I mean, you're now a person who's played you know yeah. sports for four years in college, and if a person can benefit from their name, image, or likeness, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, know exactly. should they, should they have that right? Um, that's kind of a hard question to answer black and white, but um, for me personally, I know that Ohio state has given me so much opportunity and open doors of opportunity for me to earn more after college. Um, and right now I know that um, I think it's tough. I don't play a sport that necessarily brings in that much money. So um, I'm kind of looking at it the perspective outside of Ohio state takes very good care of their athletes. They feed us, they uh, make sure that we're taken care of in every shape and form. So right now I'd say probably not a huge fan of it, but um, I'm also not someone who can make thousands and thousands of dollars off my name, image, and likeness. So I'm sure if you go ask a football player, um, like Justin Fields, I'm sure he would like a little more extra money in his pocket. But um, yeah, I, I think that um, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if I think that that should be a thing, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm glad you were honest. I mean, you know, personally, you know, you're well-spoken, you're attractive. I mean, you, you're a star on a team and stuff. I think you would have found a way or someone would have found a way to to maybe put a little more money in your pocket. But, you know, who knows? I mean, <laughs> I'm always for all of you folks getting whatever you know, whatever you can get one way or the other. I'm 67 mm-hmm. and I've watched it evolve, you know, and, uh, and it's a, you know, it's a big money proposition, definitely the yeah. two major sports, but, uh, but yeah, I see where you're coming from too, but Hey, uh, Tatum, see, here's the thing. You, how much could you have gotten off the nickname taters? You know, you could have been a spokesman for a potato chip company. Yeah. People didn't know that was your nickname, but they would Tater have huh? or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, uh, Taters, I mean, excuse me, Tatum, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast once again. Thank you so much. Yeah, I told you uh, uh, Tatum Skaggs, or, or her nickname is Taters, was going to be an interesting interview, and it was. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't it awesome? Oh, I'm kind of surprised that nobody's ever called me Taters. I, yeah. You know, I, I eat them in any form, any capacity. <laughs> That's cool. I, I'm. She's got a good one. Yeah, I, I yes, think you got. I think you got. You got to hit home runs to get that nickname, Taters. Okay. You know, right. he hits a lot of Taters. Uh, but I digress. Hey, you know what? I appreciate you joining me again. Uh, awesome, and uh, you know, we kind of chopped up what I consider to be the, the big concern about this Ohio State defense is it is it works its way through spring with its fingers crossed. You know, to a certain extent. Uh, but next week, headed into the spring game, previewing the spring game, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, in particular, the passing game in general, what we expect to see in that game. Um, you know, like I've told you all along, I expect them to come out throwing the ball a lot because the two things they got to work on is synchronizing brand new quarterback with a pretty good fleet of receivers, including the tight ends uh, and running backs. And then uh, a defense that needs to prove or needs to show itself, get some kind of confidence coming out of the spring that it can stop a pretty good passing attack. It, it, it is kind of adding up to an interesting spring game, isn't it? Yeah, and the other part of that, as we talk about, you know, pretty much every April, is that you're not going to do a lot of live tackling. They might not right. do any. So this week, actually, this is the spring game. There, there'll be a scrimmage on Saturday that will be live hitting, full go. Um, that's going to be the true evaluation point for Ryan Day 
or for Corey Dennis and Kevin Wilson, looking at those quarterbacks as they head into the summer, what they do um, on April 17th when we get to watch, when some amount of fans will get to watch, that's going to be a good show, and it'll help inform more opinions. And it does matter in some way uh, as one of 15 and, and the greater you know scheme, but the one that – the live one, the real one, um, hopefully we get some information about that for the next podcast uh, next week. I'm sure we'll get uh, a little bit of insight for it. Don't expect to get get to watch it uh, as we did on Friday and, and Monday morning, but that, th- there's a big one coming this week and, yeah. and maybe some more indications about which way this is heading, which you and I both uh, agree at this point is, is trending towards C.J. Stroud. Exactly. But you know what? Until next week, this is Tim May for Awesome Ward. We'll see you then. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.